Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis how Abraham could leave his country and his people and give up his father's house. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from yesterday's message. That's the greatest aspiration that you and I can have as we finish this life, to be crowned by God with this title of my friend. And if we see that and if we understand through this revelation who is God as revealed by his relationship with Abraham, then we're going to get the real treasure. For Abraham, we say, congratulations, Abraham, on your new great title, Friend of God. Hope we get it too. Now here's Tom Cantor as we continue our expository study of the book of Genesis every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And Moses at the burning bush, that's where God appeared to Moses first. And again, he's happy to introduce himself as God of Abraham in Exodus 3.6. It says, moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God. So if we're to succeed as we study this portion here and getting the treasures out, there's two understandings that we need to come to. And that is what it means for a person to have the title of the friend of God. That's Abraham. And what it means when God takes on the title of the God of Abraham. So that's our goal. That's our goal. Now, if we only gain from this section an understanding of the history of the Jews, the history of the Jewish people, and we don't see the Lord Jesus Christ as the Adonai, the King of the Jews, and the God of Abraham, then we lose, we lose all the treasure. We just lose all the treasure. This becomes history book then. That's becomes something to understand from the past. But if we break through the clouds of what the Lord called a dull understanding or a slowness of heart, then we'll see that God in this section is the Lord Jesus Christ. And why God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is happy to call himself the God of Abraham. So this is a section with great new titles. For God, we could say, wonderful, he's taken on the new title of God of Abraham. For Abraham, we say, congratulations, Abraham, on your new great title, friend of God. Hope we get it too. All right, now, verse 1. Verse 1 stands here in a stark contrast to the depressing scene that we saw in chapter 11. See, verse 1 says, And the Lord had said unto Abram, Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. So we've already studied chapter 11. That was just downright depressing, chapter 11. Glad it ended. Because it was man's first feeble attempt to found this new grand world government that was in defiance against God, without God, was actually trying to dethrone God, and it was made up by his, all his proud men, one of the stars with Nimrod the hunter. But so chapter 11 was really a picture of sin abounding. It was just going wild. And God's promised that whenever sin abounds, he'll make grace abound all the more. Like it says in Romans 5.20, where sin abounded, grace did much more abounded. Where sin abounded in chapter 11, chapter 12, is grace abounding more. Now, Abraham is the father of the Jewish people. So every Jewish person should especially focus 
on verse 1 on what Abraham was called to do. This is the beginning of the relationship, and so important, between God and Abraham. And it's a relationship that begins with a command from God. So every Jewish person should focus on this and exactly what was Abraham called to do. So Genesis 12:1 says, The Lord said to Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I'll show you. So you notice in verse 1 here that God called Abraham to leave three things. First, he was to leave his country. That was obviously the place where Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to call him Abraham, it's too confusing, anyway, it doesn't matter. Abraham lived, Abraham's country, it was the land of Syria, he was a Syrian. Okay, I guess there are worse things he could be, I suppose, but anyways, that's what he was. Anyway, so God called Abraham to leave his familiar surroundings. That's what is meant by country. That's the only place that Abraham had ever known in his life. Abraham had friends there, he had neighbors there, and he was being called to leave them, to leave them. He had a routine in his life represented by the country he lived in. And like any routine in life, that represented for Abraham a certain measure of security, a certain measure of stability just from the routine. And he was being called to leave that routine. So how could Abraham leave his friends and leave his neighbors and leave the familiar, secure, stable land or country that he knew? How could he do that? That was the first thing he was called to leave. Second, he was called to leave his kindred. Now, Abraham had an extended family, and he was part of an extended family unit. We can imagine it was a tight extended family unit where everyone knew everyone else, fortunately or unfortunately. And Abraham had uncles, and he had aunts, and he had cousins, and these were his people. These were Abraham's people. This was his extended family. And when Abraham was together with his extended family, like us, it felt so much like family. And that's the place of where Abraham would naturally feel, and everybody who felt that they belonged, they belonged to this group. It's his people. It was his kindred. So Abraham was called to leave his kindred. How could Abraham leave his people that he was a part of? How could Abraham, how could Abraham leave the people that he felt that he belonged to? But that's what God called him to do. Then God said Abraham was to leave his father's house. Now Abraham was part of his father's house. His father's name was Terah. We know that. Abraham had two brothers. One dies. But, and in his father's house, everyone understood the other. Everyone loved the other. Just like a house was part of his father's house. It was a place where everyone was accepted for what they were. Everyone was loved. Everyone was, that's what it, way it was. It was. And no one was disowning anybody else. It was just Abraham's father's house. That was a picture. But Abraham was being called to leave his father's house. How could Abraham leave his father's house with all the understanding and the love and acceptance that was in his father's house? How could he do that? How could Abraham leave his country, his people? How could Abraham leave his father's house? How could Abraham give all that up? That's the question that's on the table. And look at verse 1. When you look at verse 1, picture Abraham as coming to the greatest personal crossroads of his life, in the life of Abraham. God put Abraham at these crossroads. 
And so he's standing there, Abraham's standing there at these crossroads. And he's looking down two roads, and they each got two signs on them. And a one sign has this for the road, and that sign reads, This is the road to your familiar country, your people. This is the life that's known. This is the life that's stable, that's secure for you. And this is the road that will keep you a part of your people, an integral part of your people. This is the road where you stay a part of your father's house. That's the one road. And the other road, it has a sign It says, you leave your country, you leave the life you've known, you leave your people, you leave your father's house, and you become a friend of God. It's two roads. He's standing there. He's got to make his decision. He stands there. He looks at these two signs. He considers carefully, so to speak, his choice. And then he makes his decision, and he decisively goes down the road that's marked friendship with God. So Abraham left his country and all that was familiar to him. He left his people. He left his father's house and for one simple reason. And if you asked Abraham, why did you do it? Or how could you do it? He would tell you very simply one phrase. God was worth it. That's what he'd say. God was worth it. He figured like Jim Elliot did, the martyred missionary to the Ecuadorian Indians in the 1950s, who wrote this phrase. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That was very good. Abraham was saying it like this. I'm no fool to give up what I cannot keep to gain what I cannot lose. You know, Abraham... He had attended funerals like all of us have. And he knew the loss of loved ones. He knew the loss of his friends, those funerals. He, Abraham, looked down on the body of a friend that was being lowered into the ground. And he knew that when that body was lowered into the grave, that that was the end of his friendship with that person. And Abraham knew he couldn't keep forever the friendship of his friends. He couldn't do that. And he knew that he could not keep forever the friendship of those in his father's house. But Abraham knew that if he made a friendship with God, that he would never stand over a grave and watch God be lowered into that grave. Abraham knew that he would never lose his friendship with God. So Abraham chose Friendship with God, what he could not lose, that's what he chose. That's Abraham. That's the father of the Jewish people. This is the picture that we have of Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. So to be a good Jew, to be like Abraham was, Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, who was called to leave his country, his people, and his father's house, and he left all that, his country, his people, his father's house, because God called him. So to be a good Jew is to be like Abraham. And leave everything familiar, including the Jewish people and the Jewish father's house. Actually, today we wouldn't say the Jewish father's house. We say the Jewish mother's house. But anyway, things have changed. (laughs) But when God calls, that's what verse 1 is saying. That's the message of verse 1. The verse 1 is a personal crisis for Abraham. That's what it is. And a Jewish person who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ as God is right in the shoes of Abraham in verse 1. And often the Jewish person, in order to come to God, the Lord Jesus Christ, he knows he knows that God is the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows he's calling him to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ, 
to tell his friends, to tell his family, and the Jewish person knows. He knows. He's not dumb. He knows what the response is going to be, especially from his mother, his father, his people, his friends, his business associates, maybe his children, maybe his wife. They will tell him to leave. That well, could very well likely happen. But that Jewish person, he's opened his heart, and he's come to find out that the Lord Jesus Christ is God and Savior from sin. And so what does he do? He's just like Abraham. He stands at those crossroads and he thinks about it. And he's at that same crossroads. He's looking at the signs and he's considering what to do. Like Abraham, the Jewish person, he sees. He says, one road, the sign says, your familiar life, a predictable life, a life of stability, a life of security, your country. Staying here means that you will stay an integral part of your people, your Jewish people. You will have the sense there of belonging as you have, remaining in your father's or your mother's house will continue as it has been. Now, the other road, as he looks down it, he sees leave your country and the life you've known. You leave that life of stability, that security. If your Jewish people tell you, choose between us and Christ, that you will leave. Your people, your Jewish people. If your Jewish mother, your Jewish father says to you, choose between us and Christ, then you'll leave your father's or your mother's house in order to become a friend of God. That's Abraham. That's every Jewish person virtually who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like Abraham. A Jewish person who comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, he stands right there, he looks carefully at those two signs, he considers carefully his choice. And if that Jewish person is going to be like Abraham, then he'll make his decision and he'll walk like Abraham did, decisively down that road marked friendship with God. If he's going to be like Abraham, he will, with Abraham, be willing to leave his familiar life with all the stability, security, be willing to leave his people, his Jewish people, his Jewish mother's father's house. And when they say to him, if they say to him, choose between us and Christ. It doesn't always happen that way, but oftentimes it does. He'll do the same, he'll do that. Why? For the same simple reason that Abraham did, because he will say, God is worth it. All this loss, and it is loss, God is worth it. That's how he'll figure, like Jim Elliot. And so he'll say with Abraham, with Jim Elliot, he'll say, I'm no fool to give up what I cannot keep in order to gain what I cannot lose. All right, now, so look again at verse 1. And there are two sister words in verse 1, in verse one and I'll read them to make them obvious to you. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy father and from thy kindred and from thy mother's house unto a land that I'll show you. Now, if I didn't do a good enough job, it was out and unto. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, God never called Abraham to give up anything that he was not at the same time offering him something better. And that's always why those two sister words go together. Out and unto. Leave and come. See, Abraham was called to leave the world of his false gods of light and fire and come to the true God of glory who appeared to him. It's just like Paul said about the believers in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 1.9 where he said, For they themselves show us what manner of entering we had entering in we had unto you, how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Those believers were described as the ones who turned to God from idols. The to and from. Just like Abraham. 
they also said, God is worth it. Now, maybe Abraham would have had a moment reflecting back on his decision and saying, did I really make the right decision? Did I really make the right choice? You know, we're really very grateful to Apostle Peter because he always seems to have the chutzpah to do things like that. And he had one of those moments. Peter had one of those moments. When he wondered, did I really make the right decision in following the Lord Jesus Christ? And so there was a conversation between Peter and the Lord Jesus over this in Matthew 10, 28, where it says, Peter began to say to him, Lo, we've left all and have followed thee. And he's saying, you know, what are we going to get? And so the Lord said in verse 29, and Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there's no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children. I know somebody who that was put on the line with, his wife and children. Choose between me, us, children, and Christ. Or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold. Now, in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and the world to come, eternal life. So God is saying, it's worth it. It's worth it. I'll do the calculation for you. It's worth it. And he says, you may lose what you cannot keep, but you will gain what you cannot lose. Now, as we've said in Abraham's case, God had touched the heart of his father Terah, and it seems to have been Terah's idea to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and sometimes, in the case of some Jewish believers, they think that they'll be thrown out, but they're not. So in any case, Terah left Ur, but he stopped midway, and he tarried, he loitered in Haran. That's what his name means, Terah means loitering or tarrying. So when his father was dead, Abraham moved over with his wife, Sarah, nephew. His lot was his nephew from his dead brother. And so it looks like maybe Abraham had the responsibility to look after young Lot. Such a wonderful thing he had to do. Dad, today you talked about how Abraham was called to leave his family. I'm so thankful to the Lord that I was brought up in a Christian family and didn't have to experience that rejection. But you weren't. Was that hard for you when your family rejected you when you received the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, Dave, if I told you that it wasn't hard, I'd be lying. Because the fact of the matter is, it was hard. It was difficult. You know, there was a sequence of events. There was, a, there were, of course, I was angry. You know, how can they reject me like this? How can they, how can they take the silver spoon out of my mouth? How can they you know, cut off the money? How, you know, how, how could I end up in Cincinnati with just $100 in my pocket that was unheard of? You know, there were a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts that came in. But I realized that, that um, yeah, I'd been forsaken. And it was hard. It was difficult. And I searched the scriptures. I looked to God and I said, God, my heart is broken. And there was a verse, a particular verse that meant so much to me in Psalm 2710, where it says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. This verse brought so much comfort because my father and my mother, in, in essence, had forsaken me. You know, it was almost like, you know, choose between us, uh, us or Christ, you choose. And I chose the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they said, oh, okay, have a nice life. 
and and I felt I felt forsaken. I felt abandoned. And of course, it was hard. There was the there was the, the real pain in the heart. But this verse, and I realized that 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 God says, you know, when this happens to you, then the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he'll take me. And he did, and he gathered me up, and I healed, and I became healed by this verse. Now I was angry. I told you I was angry with Grandpa and 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 all and and uh, but uh, you know, Mom, she 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 said, you know what? She says I don't like this situation. I married into a Jewish family, and into a Jewish family, I'm going to be, and I'm going to build that bridge back. And she did. And she would call, and she would do nice things, and send gifts, and 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 we did reconcile. And it was interesting because Grandpa then said, you know, he used to say openly, he says. Now we're friends, but it's not because of you. He would point to me. He says, not because of you. It's because of her. (laughs) So she, the Gentile, was the one that built the bridge back, and that was good. But there was always this this distance. There was always this, uh, well, you know, you you chose Jesus instead of us. And, of course, you know, in the Jewish home, everything is emphasized as the family. It's the family. It's the mishpeach. It's the, it's the family. The family stays together. You know, the, the producer and the creator of the show Bonanza was David Dordard. And David Dordard is Jewish. And Lauren Green is Jewish. And little Joe uh, was, uh, Michael Landon was Jewish. And anyway, so. The thing is, is that as David Dordard made that 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 program, the whole essence of the program is that no matter what happens, the 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 Cartwright family stays together, and if they lose the Ponderosa, the Cartwright family stays together. And there's a lot of Jewish uh, culture in that, and so you know to be forsaken, uh, yeah, that hurt. But then the Lord gave me this verse, which meant so much in Matthew twelve forty seven through fifty. It says then. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who's my mother? Who's my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. And so here he was saying that, you know who the, your, your new family is? He would say to me, you know who your new family is? My, your new family family or my disciples. Now behold my mother, behold my brethren right here, whoever does the will of God. You know, like David said, I am a companion of all them that fear God. Whoever does the will of my fathers in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. And so this, this introduced to me that the family, the family that God has for me, the family of God are those who are the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, you know, Grandpa used to say to me, my father used to say to me, the Bible says, honor your father, so don't talk to me about Jesus, because it says, honor your father, and your father says, don't talk to me about Jesus, so you're going to be disobeying the Bible when it says, honor your father. And, 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 it's, and I thought a lot about that, and I realized that I could not honor my father more than to talk to him about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it would be a, the height of dishonor to him as a person to withhold from him salvation and the ability to avoid hell and the ability to go to heaven through the Lord Jesus Christ. The height of dishonor would be for me to withhold telling him. Because I would think of Luke 16, 23-31, where the rich man, he says, he lift up his eyes in hell, in torments, 
and he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy upon me. And he was thirsty, and he asked for Lazarus to come and dip the tip of his finger in water and cool his tongue because he was tormented in the flame. And and then he, he went on to, to, to say that he has five brothers. And he says... Um, He wanted that the five brothers, that there should be someone who would go and testify to them. Tell them. Tell them that they don't have to end in hell. Tell them that the the door of salvation is open. Tell them that the Lord Jesus Christ is God and he became man and he died for their sins and all they have to do is to receive him to avoid hell and to be in heaven. Tell them. And he says he had five brothers, and then the, and then Abraham said, well, they have Moses and the prophets, and even if one returned from the dead, that they won't hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded. But I, but I was thinking of that, and I thought to myself, I must honor my father, I must honor my mother, and the greatest honor that I can show to them is to tell them, to tell them that hell can be avoided. Heaven is a wide open door because the blood was shed for them, because God loved them. And so that really helped me a lot in order to reconcile in my thought when my father would say to me, honor your father and don't talk to me about about Jesus. And then it helped me so much. So yes, it hurt, but God gathered me up. Yes, there was the emptiness, but God gave me a new family and he showed me how to honor my father and mother. Thank you for joining us today. Now, for the month of September, Tom Cantor is encouraging you to witness to your Jewish friend, Jewish doctor, Jewish businessman, even a Jewish neighbor. And Tom Cantor wants to not only send you a free gift of his life story on DVD and a booklet to help you reach that lost Jewish friend, but Tom Cantor wants to personally pray for your lost Jewish friend who needs to be reached with the gospel before you give him that gift or have that gift sent to them. So you can go to our online forum at friendshipwithgod.org, apply for that free gift online, again at friendshipwithgod.org, and in the notes section, just enter your friend's name so that Tom Cantor will directly pray for them before they receive that package or before you hand deliver that to them. Now again, go to friendshipwithgod.org, fill out the online form, or you can call us at 1-800-247-3051. Let Tom Cantor pray for your lost Jewish friend and we'll send your Jewish friend a free gift. 1-800-247-3051.